Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. By no one's demand, but our own from our home office. Not quite from the home office here in sunny, scenic, chilly Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions Podcast, the award-winning 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. I say not quite from the home office because I am at home. But it is 5.07 on Tuesday morning, trade deadline Tuesday, by the way. Shout out Desmond King for a uh, for an acquisition by John Robinson. But I'm literally sitting in my car out back of my house because I don't know how much time I'm going to have throughout the rest of the day to get to the podcast. So I said, let me come out in the car at 5.07 in the morning when it's 35 degrees. Let me tape the podcast, the intro, and five good minutes in the car at 5.07 in the morning because I love you guys, because this needed to get done because we love our podcast people. Don't tell anybody, but you guys are my favorite. So we sur- we survive, we thrive, even though it's 35 degrees out, and I didn't want to wake up any- anybody in my house to get this podcast done. I am going to talk to Michael Kiss today, our buddy from SB Nation. We're going to break down all things Titans, Bengals, and talk about this Desmond King acquisition, and then five good minutes on Clemson the COVID Tigers later on in the pod. But first, a message about our friends who present this podcast at Two Rivers Ford, Nashville's best car buying experience. That's what you can expect from Two Rivers Ford. I, myself, am a Ford driver. We in the rising household, we are a Ford family. And that would not, I would tell you, it wouldn't even matter simply regardless of what Two Rivers Ford was because their service is so exceptional Their non-commissioned sales staff is so easy to work with. And even if I didn't want to work with anybody in person, I could go through the entire car buying process online at tworiversford.com. It's all about the convenience of the customer, courtesy of our friends at Two Rivers Ford. If you want to go pay them a visit, they're just east of BNA, Nashville International Airport, in Mount Juliet, off Belinda Parkway. I was actually out in Mount Juliet yesterday doing a little bit of radio regardless two rivers ford check them out or to find out more about the 2021 ford bronco two rivers ford.com let's get to kissed back here 615 sessions podcast on the getbeast.com zoom line he is bald he is beautiful he is our dear friend michael kissed verified michael kissed NFL on Twitter from SB Nation. Subscribe, rate, and review to the SB Nation 
NFL show, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Hello, buddy. Oh, this old thing? The, the little check mark? Yeah, I've had that forever. I don't want to worry about that old thing. It <laughs> is. How you doing, brother? I am I am to the point, Kissed, where I'm I am seeing colleagues in the Nashville media market leave the industry for whatever reason, one or another, because they're smarter than us and they've decided to uh, to get the hell out while they still can. And now it's to the point where on on people's retirement, if you want to call it, announcement, whatever you want to, columns, these things, these self-involved things that people put out, mm-hmm. immediately I'll just respond, but how much for your check mark? That's all I want. <laughs> That's all I Because you can transfer that now. You can transfer that now. So you what I heard. Yeah. That's like switching numbers in football. You give them a, you give them a small fee or, you know, whatever, part of your bonus, whatever the, whatever the case may be. Hook them up with something. They, they, should, they should give up the check mark. They're, if they want out, you know, they got to pay the price. You know, they got to get beat. It's like gang stuff, man. You got to get beat out. <laughs> I uh yeah it's 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 really it's it's so it's so self-absorbed yeah my obsession with the blue check mark but I I I don't think I'm a real person or at least not a real Twitter person until I have it and and the uh the strive the struggle and the strife continues Michael Kiss you'll get there one day I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll bug some people I I know literally nobody that can help you. <laughs> But I will say nice things and say that I'll hook you up. (laughs) I don't believe that you'd say nice things on the internet in the first place. Regardless, (laughs) we have much to discuss. Not from your uh, beloved Philadelphia Eagles and the travesty that was on Sunday Night Football. In a win. The rare travesty in a win. Uh, Was there there ever a game that existed where uh, your favorite team won 23 to 9 that you were more pissed about? Uh, that I was furious when it was 23 to nine, just out of my mind, lost my mind on the reaction pod, everything. I had just, I was just pissed off. Nobody wanted that win. Nobody wanted that win. And then <laughs> it sure looked like it on the field. Nobody wants to win that division and, right. and further evidence of that last night, but we're not here to talk about the ineptitude of the NFC East, which I continue to lead the campaign to defund them. Uh, we're here to talk about the Titans and the ineptitude of their defense and it's interesting kiss because i just got done with the radio show and we had brandon thorne whose analysis i trust on the radio show Mm -hmm. and what brandon thorne of established the run had to say because the first thing that everybody wants to bury your beloved tennessee titan paper tigers for (laughs) is jadavion Clowney and vic beasley and the absence of any game-changing pass rush, which still continues to be the problem. But what Thorne came on the radio and said was the pass rush was not the problem yesterday. Joe Burrow just put it on them, and their secondary stinks. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there, I think there's merit to that. We, we do this thing in Eagles world all the time because of the coverage that they play. You know, they play their guys off in Narnia on the outside. I saw right. some of that from the Titans. It's very easy to pick them apart. Pass rush doesn't work if the quarterback can get it out quick and there's open guys underneath all day, and that's what Joe Burrow kind of uh, uh, exposed. But, yeah, I mean, it, what, the pass rush for me wasn't really a problem until this game. I do think Burrow had some pretty great escapes. I thought the pass rush did disappear this one. If if people have a gripe, I'm okay with it on this one. I didn't see any pressure on the edges. I didn't see much pressure, you know, on the interior. The best pass rush they had all day was Jadavion Clowney screaming 
up the middle unblocked and Joe Burrow was able to turn a eight yards yard loss on a sack into a one or two yard gain. It's a 10 yard swing. And that matters when you have the worst third down defense in the NFL. Plus the Cincinnati Bengals were missing four offensive linemen. This should have been feast, feast, feast all day long. And that definitely wasn't the case. And, you know, Burrow was good in getting it out. And, and I have a problem with the secondary, but I do think there was uh, underperforming on all levels for the Titans in this one. And it's ex- extremely concerning when, when you hear Mike Ray come out and say oh well you know it's not because we don't have a defensive coordinator well oh, I remember, you like that did you did you see oh, that clip I, I loved it I loved it and, and you know that's that's one of those stupid things that coaches say and like yeah I like to tell my bosses that you know it's not my fault either when something goes wrong at my job and chances are probably is my fault but when, when you when you look at it they're missing and we talked about this a few weeks ago buck yep. they're missing dean Pease, and this was a concern that i had and i feel like it's only gotten worse 11 to 16 on money downs you you just can't allow that they are worse in a league and it's not close it's it's by a lot that they that they are 32nd in the league so there's coverage issues you know there's personnel issues and now in this game with four missing offensive linemen for the Bengals, there was definitely pass rush issues so i think there's a lot of blame to pass around it is not one thing and i think that's the most concerning parts because it's hitting all levels now and with the coaching too well that's that's what – it's not that you feel that it's gotten worse. No, Mike, it, it has gotten worse. Yeah. 62%, 62.5% of the third downs they are allowing. Historically bad. Nobody since 1991 has allowed over 50% wow. of third down conversions, and this is the Tennessee Titans. It's not just Mike Vrabel's terrible Houston Texans 2017 defense. It's that – and so it is yeah. unlike anything that I've ever seen on a regular basis. And you're right. It's not just the pass rush that's failing. It's not just the coverage that's failing. It's every level. You have players, all pro caliber players in Kevin Byard, who look lost out there and who are telling us on the post-game Zoom last night, Mike, that we're just not coordinated. And I don't know if that was a slip of the tongue or what the hell happened. But it was right after Mike Vrabel told us he was positive it wasn't because they lacked a defined defensive coordinator and his buddy Shane Bowen, who coaches, not just uh, who is not just the defensive play caller, but who is also the outside linebackers coach. And they look wretched as a unit. It's everything with them. And I don't they traded for Desmond King today. Mm-hmm. I think it helps because Dory Jackson uh, has not been available to them for a game yet this season. Jonathan Joseph is 110 years old. And not only that, he looks like he's playing scared. He's, play, he's the, cover, the Narnia coverage. We yeah. got that problem here in a bad way. And not just that he's scared that he'll get beat over the top. It's that he won't get close enough to tackle them when he should try and make a play on the receiver. He's leaking yeah. confidence. They, as a defense, are – are the Titanic and Mike Vrabel. I th- Mike Vrabel's ego is the iceberg. Yeah. And this, you know, you mentioned the coordinated comment. This is the, the least well cut. Like, I've always thought of the Titans, at least recently, like, if you know, tough, you know, from one to 53, smart from one to 53. This defense looks lost. And they don't look coordinated. They don't look well-coached, which is surprising for a Mike Rabel team. And I have confidence that, you know, with him, he'll be able to turn it around. But right now, he's got to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, hey, maybe maybe this isn't it. You know, maybe i got to bite the bullet on something. I do like the trade, just to hit on a few things you said, that the sure. Desmond King trade, uh, really smart player. I mean, this is an Iowa guy who kind of, like, didn't test, the you know, the way that people liked, and he fell in the draft for it and whatnot. But, like, 
he, he's a doggone good football player. He's a smart football player. I think he really fits what they want that defense to be. You mentioned, you know, not having Adoree. Is Adoree coming back in the, in the next week or so? Is that the expectation? So they have to – this is the last week of his three-week okay. uh, return, to, uh, return to play IR designation. They have to activate him by Saturday or – I mean, they have to activate him by Saturday. Otherwise, he goes on IR for the year. Yeah, I mean, Adoree Jackson, the last time I saw him, was playing some really doggone good football, so that's going to definitely help you out. I mean, right now, and you mentioned Jonathan Joseph, the guy is 400 years old. Yes. And he's also he's also making – you think like, okay, he can't run with people. Okay, fine, I get it. So you got to give him some cushion, whatever. The problem is like – and this bugs me so much with older players and like, you know, when Corey Graham was in Philadelphia and he was Schwartz's guy and he was so smart, he knows the system, but he stunk and he, and he, and he didn't know what to do. Uh, I see the same with Jonathan Joseph. You know, that touchdown to Tyler Boyd, who – Tyler Boyd, holy crap, what a game by him. But My God. Yeah, Tyler Boyd runs the speed out. Jonathan Joseph has outside leverage on him. And they pointed this out on the broadcast and they were 100% correct. There's no reason to take yourself out of position and give up your outside leverage to Tyler Boyd. That has nothing to do with athleticism. That has to do with what's upstairs. And that's a cornerback that's not playing confident. He'd been on something that wasn't there. He's seen ghosts. And he took himself five yards out of position. And, you know, if so, fact so, you have a touchdown. I, 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 and they've given him 90-plus percent of the snaps in three out of the last five games. Oh. Now, I understand you're kind of a little beat up. But, brother, I mean, there's got to be something that you can try because it ain't working mentally, it ain't working athletically. He just doesn't have the juice anymore. I, I told you two, three weeks ago the guy should just hang him up, and he's out there playing 90% of the snaps. What do you think is going to happen? And it's exactly what happened on Sunday. Burrow carves him up. They, they got guys open all day. They can't make a play on the ball in the air. T. Higgins is mossing everybody left and right. Auden Tate's doing the same thing. Like this, It, it was weird, man, and, and it wasn't the, the Titans that I'm used to, and I'm hoping that they can turn around because you're right. I mean, number one, number one Titans fan right here. Nobody bigger in the history of Titans fans. But no, but 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 seriously, I mean, it, it does a disservice to to the offense when the defense just can't get off the field. We saw it against the Steelers. How many? What was it? I, I when I lost track because I was thirteen watching, of eighteen. There we go. And and it was like the first eight or nine, and there was like a third and eleven thrown in there. There was a third and twelve, and they just couldn't get a stop and get off the field. At one point against the the Steelers, it was time of possession of sixteen minutes and fifteen seconds against one minute and nineteen seconds. Like, it was the first half when they went down twenty seven to seven. I mean, it was an absolute it was an absolute atrocity. Yeah. Uh what they did to and to to waste wasting, Mike. You know what I've been through with Marcus Mariota and that offense and the constipation for three and a half years that I witnessed. I have prayed to the football gods every day of my life in Tennessee for A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys, who got absolutely assassinated without a flag, but that's a different matter entirely. Yeah. Point being, they're wasting my football wet dream, Mike, with a defense that can't get off, get the hell off the field. And I will not stand for it. I want Vic Beasley's head. And by the way, bullshit, revisionist history by you, because I said that Jonathan Joseph should hang him up, and you said, no, take the paycheck. <laughs> oh, that, okay. Maybe that part's true. So maybe, <laughs> maybe some revisionist history there. But, but, you know, you know, I agree with you as far as like the guy just didn't have the juice. And, and yeah, and this is not the way that they want to play football. And that's not setting them, them up for success. Their offensive philosophy is, you know, control the ball, control the clock. Derrick Henry ran for over 100 yards. It didn't matter a single lick in this game. Like, that's a problem for, for the Titans and their first philosophy. First time they've lost a game where he's reached 100 yards. 
Right. Yeah. And they had backups coming in there and ripping off drives. I mean, they're, they're, I think their first scoring drive, or it was like the first or second, it was like all runs, but like, who cares when you're down multiple scores need to be able to throw the ball around the yard. And I mean, look, th- this is kind of what happens when, you know, the Titans have one of their worst offensive performances that I can probably remember this year, maybe the, maybe the worst or second worst. And the Bengals go out and have their best offensive performance. You're going to get got by teams like this. And look, the Bengals were playing people tight. If you look at their point differential for the past, you know, four or five weeks, they were, they were hanging in there against some teams and, and they can play. So when you come up against that and you don't have your a game and you come out there and play a sloppy game, you're going to get got, and they got got real bad. And look, Maybe it's a wake-up call, and this is kind of like one of those games that you need before things get right and you get on a roll. You know, maybe they're a little full of themselves. Maybe Vrabel's a little full of themselves, and they needed that. They, they needed that check, like you know, maybe a lot. <laughs> maybe they needed that check, and then they come out like a house of fire. You know, the next three, four weeks. That's what I want to see. Like changes need to be made. They need to change them. You know, they they were they were buyers at the trade deadline. They obviously know that this is a winning team that can contend. They need to make moves to to make sure that that can happen. I think they're trying that, and hopefully we see a shift in the philosophy uh, over the next few weeks. It's the first in-season acquisition that John Robinson has made in five years. So he sees desperate the times. exact <laughs> in desperate times. Call for desperate measures in the season of the Rona. Uh, so this offensive, this offensive performance, because it wasn't even that bad of an offensive performance, Mike. The right. more I watched it, they just stunk in the red zone, which is usually where their money. What Mike Clay, and I don't know what you make of an- fantasy analysts, but I find them to be fairly useful in a in a in a variety of manners. Mike Clay just pointed this out about an hour ago on Twitter from ESPN. Turns out the Bengals didn't shadow A.J. Brown with William Jackson, if only because Brown just lined up on Jackson's side on nearly every snap. That seems like a pretty inexplicable mistake by Tennessee. A.J. had 24 yards in the upset. Not sure I've ever seen a team intentionally create a shadow on its own number one wide receiver by the opposing team standout cornerback, but that's exactly what the Titans did. What the hell? Make that make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I mean, I guess what it allows you to do is, you know, on the flip side of that, you get Corey Davis for eight catches, 128 yards and a sure. touchdown because you like that matchup there. And you still think that A.J. Brown can can win, you know, in that matchup, even if he's being, you know, forcibly shadowed by your own offense. But I, I do think that speaks to a lack of creativity of getting the ball in his hands. I mean, we saw it on, on one of the catches, A.J. Brown had the touchdown just strong as an ox, hard to bring down, manufacture some touches for the guy, get him in motion, find ways to get him open and give him a runway in space to where you can l- utilize his best asset, which is after the catch. Uh, the Titans really struggled to, to do that. I mean, we've seen them do it with Jonu Smith recently and whatnot, the, the creative ways that they get him open. I thought the game plan was a little bit stale. I mean, this is another another thing where I think they can really freshen things up and take a look at themselves and 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 change it up. So I didn't like what they did with AJ. I thought they could have manufactured him some more touches. Uh, on the flip side, you know, have Corey Davis play on a contract year every single year of his oh. career if, if you can because, holy crap, like where was this guy? Like this is the guy that I thought was a top 10 prospect when he came out. That's what we're, we're starting to see now. You know, is he a wide receiver one on his own or does he need AJ Brown occupying quarterback one? 
you know, we'll see if he wants to test the market with that and find out with uh, possibly his next team. I don't know. Uh, but I thought it was a great game by him. But, yeah, I, I do think it got a little bit stale at offense, and they do need to mix it up. And I've seen more creativity out of them in the past. You know you know me. I, I really like Arthur Smith, the, uh, the offensive coordinator there. I think, you know, his name is going to get it called, and he's going to get phone calls in the offseason, you know, like an MF, or especially with what he's done with Tannehill. So I still think Ryan Tannehill is playing like a top-five quarterback this season overall. So the pieces are there. Uh, they just got to mix it up a little bit. So to Art, because what you're saying about Corey, and I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it when he ends up as the as the overpaid wide receiver one for the New York Jets in right. free agency. It's going to break my heart for him. Um, but with Arthur, he got a ton of hype over the course of this season, rightfully so, because they've been fantastic since he's been coordinating them, and Tannehill looks like a completely transformed player. And how much of that was there before in Miami, and it was just the uh, the ineptitude of Adam Gase. Uh, we may never know. But with yeah. Arthur, your your mention of a stale game plan against the Bengals rings a little more true here lately in the last couple of weeks. Because I think, Mike, when I watch them, nobody does nobody has been able to do better what, than the Patriots, what the Patriots do from a week-to-week perspective in revamping their offensive game plan. Not being married to Derrick Henry because you're paying him $12.5 million a year, but be cre- creating game plans or opportunities for Donta Foreman or for Jeremy McNichols, who were great yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, as we take this on a Monday, who were great yesterday, but uh, who provide different skill sets than Derek. Do you think that Arthur Smith is too married to who the Tennessee Titans are supposed to be? Is that that something you've observed in, in the times that you've watched them? I don't think it is. And like I say, stale, but at the same time, I think it's really easy to mix it up with that offense. Teams know what, what the Titans want to do and they do it really well. I thought the execution was, was lacking a little bit in this one. You know, you mentioned the AJ Brown stuff and whatever, but I mean, think about it. This is, this is still an offense that is averaging 29.7 points per game. That's six in the NFL over the last three. It's 28.7. I think the offense is, is absolutely doing enough and, and the defensive side of the ball is, is the bigger problem. So as far as being too married to it, I actually think he's done a good job over the time frame that he's been there and had control of the offense of kind of shifting away from being a just run team. Uh, and allowing them to open it up with uh, Tannehill a little bit more. And I think Tannehill's also become a more effective passer, not just within the structure of play action, which is, you know, the offensive philosophy there, but outside of play action too. I think he's playing real, really well within that structure. So I think they're married to the right things. Okay. And I think it's going to be easy for them to change it up. So, right, I mean, I don't want to re- overreact to one loss where I think we understand exactly where the problem was. And the no, 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 I do. Let's bury them. Start. Let's yeah. bury them. Okay. Okay. Fine. Yep. Yeah. Fire them all. Fire them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your point. No, no, no. I mean, that, w- that was the main point is I, I, I wouldn't want to overreact to one game where the Titans still put up points. The defense was the obvious problem and over the last three games and over the life of the season. You know, the offense has been has been excellent and has kind of slowly evolved into what you want to see. And like I said, I think they are, in fact, married to the right things. And I think that should continue for them. So with this next stretch of games that they have, home for Chicago, Thursday night football for Indy, and then on the road in Baltimore before you go to Indianapolis for what is likely the division, because the Phillip Rivers Colts, as much as I like to make fun of him and use his face as a gif, uh, they seem to be competent, and the defense seems to be the strength of that football team right now. Chicago, it's going to be best on best, the offense versus Chicago's defense, and I'm intrigued by that matchup. But with Indy, Chicago, and Baltimore, who would you fear most if you were the Titans and you saw the flaws 
or you see the flaws as they are uh, with this team? Uh, I, I would see, I would say traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore is going to be able to, to, to man them up and play physical defense with them and whatnot. Like you saw them play the Steelers and that was like an old school slobber knocker. They were still in that game, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson had uh, four turnovers and, you know, you're also waiting to see if the Ravens can kind of turn around, you know, I think Lamar is due for a hot streak and that's, that's coming down the pipe and, you know, do, doing it against this Titans defense, would you really be surprised? But I, I do think the Titans do match up well with them. I'm not too scared of their defense with them. I'm not scared of the Chicago Bears defense. You know, I, I think their their defensive line is is great. and They're getting some quality play and, you know, at all three levels. But at the same time, when you flip sides of the ball and you look at the support that their offense is giving them, they're going to put you in positions to score against them. Uh, this Bears team stinks. You know, at five and one, they were the worst five and one team that I could be. I think I told you the same thing on a few weeks ago. Total frauds, right? Now they're now they're zero and two. They can't even beat the Saints, and the Saints can't push the ball more than five yards down the field at at a, at a time. Uh, Saints are another team that's an absolute fraud. If they go to the playoffs, they're going to get bent over and spanked uh, by whoever runs across them that's competent. I mean, they're just they're just bad. that game was so boring. The Bears Saints game. So yeah, Bears no Foles is just awful. Foles is just throwing up prayers. And hoping he gets a pass interference or one of his excellent wide receivers come down with it. It's the Joe uh, Flacco offense. I'm familiar. Right. Yeah. They're they're not going to confuse the the Titans in in any way, or it shouldn't be able to beat them up. The the Colts are are really tough, man. Like their their defense will bend a little bit, but they make really big plays uh, in big situations, and that can that can break your back. I think they can hang with anybody. I think what scares me about them is Rivers is just. You know, he, he's not as washed as Breeze, but he's more unpredictable than Breeze. His his roller coasters, you know, the ebb and, ebbs and flows to his game are a little bit more volatile than 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 Breeze, well, a lot more, actually. Uh, but I do think the defense can keep them in just about any game. And Frank Reich is a fantastic head coach um, and a great offensive mind that is probably going to cook up a really good game plan. But I would go with the Ravens. You know, I think the Ravens are kind of like the James Harden of the NFL. They can, they can beat such up. a great tweet by you the other day, by the way. I could not like it enough. And I, know, I don't know anything about basketball, but I know that James Harden will put up a lot of points and the Rockets will put up a lot of points. I don't even know he's still with the Rockets. I uh, put up a lot of points against bad to good teams, but they run up against a quality opponent. Then they kind of fold, and we've seen that from the Ravens this year. They got a lot to prove, and uh, we saw the, the Titans take it to them in the playoffs last year. So uh, I, I, do th- I still do think that it goes Chiefs, Steelers, Titans. I, I would say it's the, it's it's those three, and, and you know you you can mix around you know that that two and three however you like because of uh, you know the head to head and all that. But I still don't think that that's the cream of the crop in the AFC, and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, wonderful analysis by our friend Michael Kist at Michael Kist NFL. You know because he has the blue check mark. You can subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review to the SB Nation NFL show where he is mass producing content. Of course, BGN Radio as well my brother it is always a pleasure thank you for making the people i don't know if they they're made to feel better or worse by what we just talked about but uh you know it was something and i was happy to have you here i i'm I'm showing a lot of faith in the titans right now so there's reason to be hopeful don't overreact over over one loss you could always be the eagles and be furious about a 23 to 9 win think of it that way i just before we let you go what 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 do i what do i do with this division i mean what what do i do with the nfc east like what how should i as a football fan with no attachment to the NFC East, how should I consume the NFC East? Or should I not? My, body, my, my mouth won't even utter its name as a division. I want to purge it from my body so badly. 
Yeah, it's a freak show. Just <laughs> just take it take it in like a freak show. I mean, I think what they should do. I think like the Los like the Rams are four and zero. Uh, against the NFC East, I think no. you just let them be the winners of the East because none, none of these teams, the Eagles aren't going to be able to contend when it's playoff time. It's, it, it's it, Come on. We saw them against the Giants a couple of weeks ago, their one-point win. We saw them against Ben DiNucci. They needed to be gifted eight points just to separate in that game against Ben freaking DiNucci and a defense that is historically terrible, awful, bad. Like, if they keep this up, they're going to be the, the worst in the history of the NFL for points per game, right? And a team that has almost mutinied against their new head coach and basically yep. quit on him and they're cutting starters left and right when they can't get it done you know just like you said you know def- defund the uh the the nfc east defund the nfc east it's not worth watching i was so buck let me tell you i was so glad that this was a night game because i wanted to watch the one o'clock and four o'clock games i didn't want to <laughs> watch the eagles over that i just didn't and i covered them and i and i love them and obviously but like brother this season's got to end it's got to end quick i'm i'm praying for it. i'm so glad i covered the nfl on a on a broader basis this year otherwise i'd be driving myself crazy oh just just put them down for for our friend michael kiss sake if nothing else but god bless the dallas cowboys they're going to keep things interesting oh yeah uh, as I mentioned, the SB Nation NFL show, subscribe, rate, review. Michael Kist at Michael Kist NFL has been our guest today on the 615 Sessions podcast. Thanks, bud. Thank you, man. See ya. Okay, five good minutes on a Tuesday, trade deadline Tuesday. This podcast, by the way, will be taped before the trade di- deadline has since passed. But since the t- Tennessee Titans did the thing that they never do, they made a trade, uh, and I'm not expecting them to make any more, but I will tell you that they are still actively looking. So I could be wrong by the time that you hear this podcast. If it's for a pass rusher, I I don't even know what to say. I would be absolutely floored, shocked. My jaw would need to be scraped off the pavement here in North Nashville in my uh, in my, on my parking. What do you what, what do you want to call this thing? A parking landing pad that I have in my backyard. Anyway. Because, of course, we're taping this podcast at 5.07 a.m., 5.10 a.m. now, by the way, as we sit here recording the 615 sessions. Before we get to five good minutes on the Clemson COVID Tigers, I will first tell you about the people who present the Zoom line here on the 615 sessions, the award-winning 615 sessions. And that is our friends at Tame the Beast. Where you go for fine grooming products for beasts of all kinds, by the way. Not just our male audience, but our female friends, too. GetBeast.com, and you save some cash using that promo code BEAST2020. It's exclusive for A to Z sports audiences. They provide to you great things like the beard brush that I use to keep my facial follicles in line when I do have facial hair. And since it's 34 degrees out here, I have to have facial hair so I don't die and I don't freeze to death. Tingle shampoo, Beast Yop hand wash, great stuff that's from the earth, good stuff from the earth. That's great for your skin, your scalp, and everything in between. Check them out. A local company. All of the companies that we work with, by the way, local companies here in Middle Tennessee. Beast Brands and GetBeast.com. Use that promo code BEAST2020. All right. Let's talk about Trevor Lawrence, who got COVID over, I guess that would have been last week, going into the football weekend. And Clemson almost blew it to BC, but, you know, things evened out in the second half, and though the Joe Tessitore, John Tessitore moment was incredible to watch on television, Clemson pulled away. What we saw in that game was something something so strange 
to me. Because if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, and if you've been with me for long enough, which, by the way, the majority of you on this particular platform have been. That's why I love you. You know that college football does not necessarily come naturally to me. I am a a son of the Big Ten. And otherwise, in the Big Ten, people care about football, but not at the school that I went to. Indiana, nobody cares. Although, 2-0, by the way, undefeated Indiana Hoosiers. Shout out the Hoosiers. What I will say to you is, even in college football country, even in the SEC country that we that I exist in now talking on a regular basis about the Vols the SEC all things happening with Jeremy Pruitt on Rocket Top uh, Rocket Top <laughs> it's it's 5 a.m leave me alone Rocky Top what I would say to you is that even on a Monday or a Tuesday after a great college football weekend the only thing that can get me to lead with college football over the NFL is the best and most famous player in the sport catching COVID-19. The games be damned at this point. College football and the backseat that it consistently takes to the NFL is fascinating to me. And I don't know if it should be, if I should by now know that the NFL is king of all things in our sports lives and that college football is second but by a long shot. Because there is never an opportunity outside of a national championship or something like this where Nick Saban gets the Rona or Trevor Lawrence gets the Rona or they shut uh, Wisconsin and Nebraska down completely because people are testing positive left and right. And this sport, by the way, is so shady and just an absolute money grab that they are out here doing things that they should not be doing not disclosing how many people are testing positive. Nick Saban's Nick Saban had COVID, I think, for like five hours, and then they tested him 103 times so he could coach against Georgia just to come out and say that it was a false positive. What I will say to you is that because I don't want to turn into these one of these COVID truthers, but I look at this and I say I don't believe specifically in college football. I don't believe all. Of the tests. I don't believe all of the tests, positive or negative, in this particular sport, because shockingly to nobody, they are taking advantage of a system that does not force them to disclose everyone who is testing positive, people who are symptomatic, so on and so forth. And it detracts from this already deformed college football season. It takes away a lot of what we love to go to college football for, which is the distraction, college football Saturdays. It's tribal here in Tennessee and in the South. You guys know this. I don't got to tell you. But I, I experience, I'll be honest with you, I experience the SEC a little like going to visit my family in the Middle East, where things are so deep, deep-seated and deeply rooted in history, in culture, in the past, that it is literally like tribes feuding amongst each other in a way that would be inexplicable in any other situation unless you know the history. That's something that I've had to learn over the course of my five years in Tennessee. And still, college football is not the lead story. Hell, college football wasn't even today's lead story on the podcast, and the only reason we're talking about it is because Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson COVID Tigers uh, continue to be a, what do you want to call them, a case study. A, uh, a lab rat as we watch this deformed 
uh, conformed college football season take place. It's insane to me. But, you know, I'm, I'm a guy sitting doing a podcast at 5.16 in the morning in 35-degree weather in my car because I don't want to wake up anybody in my house. This is how these things go. And that is going to do it for us today on the 615 Sessions podcast. On the way out the door, one, support the people that support this show. Tame the Beast and Two Rivers Ford, great local companies that provide great service to you. Shout out Michael Kist, one of our favorites here on the pod. I would remind you that you need to slide in my DMs on Instagram at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G, is where you go to submit your mailbag questions for the Music City Mailbag that will take place on the Thursday pod. Many of you have already done so. The door is still open. We invite your questions. Titans, uh, Titans questions, questions about life, questions about how many people I turned away during Halloween, whatever you would like, even puppy questions. I'll yell it. I'll yell about it, but I'll answer them because that's what we do here on the 615 Sessions podcast. In the meantime, I need you to stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.